Hey there, my friend. Raise your hand if you are a beginner witch or a more seasoned witch who struggles to get the results you want after setting an intention. If you have your hand raised, I have a solution for you. Join me for a live, free, 45-minute workshop on setting intentions that get results. Go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash workshop and get registered. It is absolutely free. And by the time you're done, you're going to be able to write an intention that gets the results that you are looking for. I hope to see you there. Second thing I want to share, in case you didn't know, the doors are now open for Jumpstart Your Magical Practice. This is the four-week online course that I have been working on to bring my more than 10 years of experience and practice to you so you don't have to spend the next 10 years trying to figure out what kind of magic really works. If you're ready to find out more, go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash get started. The links will be in the show notes. Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me. If you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, hey there, my witchy friend. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. I'm back from a really great vacation and I'm feeling like really witchy, which seems odd because when I was away, I wasn't doing any kind of witchcraft. I was very, you know, disconnected from just about everything, my business, my job, my spiritual practice, even my kids. It was just a very relaxing vacation. But you know, it is almost Beltane, so maybe that's why I'm feeling extra witchy. And what could be more witchy than talking about one of my favorite tools, cauldrons? Now, I want to start by saying that you don't need a cauldron per se in your practice. I'm a firm believer that when we are practicing witchcraft, we should never need to buy anything. It's a nice plus, but never necessary. So we know the cauldron goes back thousands of years in practical use, you know, long before it was ever associated with witchcraft and magic. Cauldrons have been used by probably every ancient culture from the Celts and the Norse, the Greeks, Romans, and the Egyptians, you know, you name the culture and a cauldron was probably used. And they were used most often as vessels for cooking, for brewing, storing liquids and food. Today, they're still used in cooking, albeit less often in, well in Western cultures. They also played a role in ceremonial and spiritual practices such as burning incense or ashes, offering sacrifices, or divination from the flames and the smoke. And they were sometimes seen as symbols of fertility and prosperity in many cultures. In some witchcraft practices today, the cauldron is closely related to the feminine or goddess, but that's only some practices. Personally, I really don't like to associate it with a gender. That said, there are specific deities, both male and female, that are closely associated with the cauldron. And I want to share my favorite with you, and that's the story of the Celtic witch goddess Caridwen. So Caridwen is closely associated with inspiration and creativity, as you'll see here in the story. So for those of you that don't know the story, I want to share this tale with you. And for those that do, I will try to keep it 
short and sweet. I've studied this myth for quite some time as part of my druid path, and there's just so much symbolism in this story and, you know, just seeing parts of yourself in each of the characters and in each of the pieces. But I will try to keep that very, very limited. So Caridwen has two children. She has a girl and a boy. And the girl is as lovely as can be. She's described as just breathtaking. And her son is described as being, for lack of better words, very ugly and troubled, very shadowy, if you will. So Caridwen, who loves both of her children very, very much, really wants to help her son. You know, her heart breaks every time she looks at him. And after some time, she comes to the conclusion that she will make him beautiful with wisdom and knowledge and inspiration. In other words, she would fill him with Awen. Now, Awen is a Welsh word that describes spirit, that spirit of creativity and inspiration. So Caridwen sets off into the mountains to get the recipe for Awen. And the recipe calls for multiple kinds of herbs to be brewed in a cauldron over a fire for a year and a day. After a year and a day, the first three drops will give the magic of Awen to whomever drinks it, and the rest will turn to poison. So she takes the time, she goes out, she gathers all of these herbs, and she knows that in order to tend the cauldron for a year and a day, she won't be able to do it by herself. She's going to need some help. So she finds Morda. Now Morda is an older blind man and he's wandering in the woods and she recruits him to keep the fire burning under the cauldron for that year and a day. And he agrees. But he says, you know, he's an old man and it's a lot of work and he's going to need some help. So they come across Gwion Bach and Gwion is a young boy and he's very eager to help. His job is going to be to stir the cauldron for a year and a day. So they go back to Lintegat, also known as Bala Lake, and they create the fire under the cauldron of Caridwen. Caridwen adds the water and the herbs, and then she leaves the work to Morda and Gwion. So a year passes, and on the very next day, the fire begins to burn hotter and hotter. The cauldron, you know, it's really starting to bubble up, and all of a sudden, three drops of the liquid fly out of the cauldron and land on the thumb of Gwion Bach. And of course, you know, it's really, really hot. This is boiling liquid. And instinctively, he puts his thumb in his mouth to ease the burn. And of course, when he does, he receives the Awen instead of Caridwen's son. So as you can imagine, he knows that Caridwen, you know, she's going to be pissed and he begins to run away. And Caridwen senses what has happened immediately and she begins to give chase. Gwion then turns himself into a hare and Caridwen turns herself into a greyhound. And as she begins to close in on Gwion, he jumps into a stream and turns himself into a fish. Caridwen jumps in and she changes herself into an otter. After giving chase through the water, Gwion takes to the air, turning himself into a bird, and Caridwen takes off after him, turning herself into a hawk. Finally, exhausted, Gwion sees a bag of grain, and he quickly dives down into the bag of grain and turns himself into one of those grains. Surely, you know, she would never know which of them is him. Caridwen then turns herself into a hen and she eats all of the grain. So several months later, a pregnant Caridwen knows that it is Gwion that's inside her belly and she decides that she will kill him upon giving birth. But instead, she finds him so beautiful at birth that she can't kill him. Instead, she places him in a leather bag and sets him out upon the sea. He's then rescued and upon taking him out of the leather sack, he's then named Taliesin the one with the golden brow, and becomes the greatest bard in Welsh history. And we can see in the story that first the cauldron is used as a container of the ingredients, but over time a transformation takes place. And that's one of the most common ways that we use cauldrons in our witchcraft today. So let's start with what a cauldron is. You know, what counts as a cauldron? 
a cauldron is a vessel, it's a pot, it's a container. You know, typically we picture them in cast iron, but they can be made from other materials as well. They come in all shapes and sizes and they're not all shaped the same because you know, you have the kind with like that rounded belly and then you also have some that have straight sides to them. So when you're looking for a cauldron, you know, what kind do you need and where do you find one? Well, it depends, you know, what you are going to be using it for. Are you using it to burn a little bit of incense on your altar? Are you using it to cook food with? Are you going to use it to scry with? And I ask those things because, again, depending on what you're going to use it for is going to help you determine what you need. And remember, you don't have to go out and actually buy a cauldron. You can use a stove pot, a bowl, or any other vessel might do. Keep in mind, if you are going to buy one, that bigger is not always better. If all you're going to do is burn a little bit of incense in it, then just get a small one, you know, for on your altar. If you plan to cook in it, then you're going to, obviously, you know, you're going to need a larger one. Just keep in mind, the bigger it is, the heavier that it is. I have one that I use outside, you know, at the outside fire, and it is amazing for cooking. But I can barely carry it when it's empty, let alone move it when it's full. So just keep that in mind. Cast iron. If you haven't used it, it's heavy. I also suggest that if you're going to be using your cauldron to make food or to say make tea in it, make sure that the cauldron is food safe. The cauldron that I use for burning incense in and things like that is not the same cauldron that I use to cook my food in. So if you plan to purchase a cauldron, you can find them, you know, just about anywhere online or in your local metaphysical shop. I have one that's about 10 inches in diameter that I use for spell work and scrying. And I found that one on eBay many, many years ago. And I use that one quite often. I also have a very small cauldron that I keep on my altar. And I use that one just to hold various small little objects. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the bottom of your cauldron is going to get hot. So make sure that you have it on a fire safe surface whenever you're burning something in it or working, you know, obviously with fire in any way, make sure that you have a way to extinguish it quickly. And also lesson learned, don't ever put a candle in your cauldron. That's not also like in a separate container that's going to be heat proof. Like don't put a votive or something like that in there that's not in another container because your cauldron, particularly one that is iron, is going to get really hot and it will begin to melt that wax and you could end up catching your wax on fire. Next, I want to talk about how to care for your cauldron both physically and magically. And I'm going to talk specifically about cast iron ones because you do need to take particular care with them, especially the ones that you're going to use for food. But I'll get back to that shortly. Let's talk about magical cleansing first. So there are several different ways you can do this. I like to use each of the elements. I don't know that there's necessarily a particular order that you would need to do this in, but I usually end with fire. So I'll start by pouring some salt in the cauldron and just swirling it around. So I'm cleansing it with the salt, which represents earth and is really great, you know, for any kind of energetic cleansing. After that, I take my incense and wave that all around the cauldron, inside, outside, all around it, and I'm cleansing it with the element of air. After that, I'll pour water in and over my cauldron. So you can take it to the sink and, you know, just run water over it for a few minutes. Or if you're fortunate enough and ambitious enough to be somewhere near a stream, you know, you can go to the stream and use that too. And then finally, you're going to dry it, you know, with some cloth. After that, if I can, I will put it actually over my gas stovetop, you know, set it on the stovetop or in or near the fire pit. And I do that for two reasons. First, it's cleansing it with that element of fire, but you're also making sure that it's good and dry. You know, it doesn't take much for cast iron to rust, and it's a whole lot easier to prevent that than to fix it. 
Now, if you have a new cast iron cauldron and you plan to use it for cooking, you need to make sure that it's seasoned. You know, a lot of times when you buy one and it's new, it'll say on it that it's already seasoned, but it's still not a bad idea to season them again before you use them. And I'll actually season my cast iron many times when it's new and then again periodically as needed. And when you hear the term seasoning, what that means is coating it with a thin coat of oil and then heating that. So if it's new, I give it a good washing first. And for the first time, I use warm water and a very mild soap. After that first washing, I personally never use soap again on mine. I just use water and I scrub it out really good. But for the first time, you know, give it that good washing with soapy water, then rinse and dry it with your towel or cloth. And don't use a good one because sometimes, you know, even if it's clean, it's going to turn your towel black or discolored. After that, you're going to take a little bit cooking oil. Generally, I'll use an olive oil, but you could use a different kind and wipe the inside and the outside with the oil. Then I'll take another clean cloth and wipe the inside and outside again to get all that excess oil off. So, you know, you don't want it dripping or anything like that. Then you're going to put your cauldron in the oven. So generally, I'll heat my oven up to, I don't know, like uh, 350 or 400 ahead of time. And then I'll put my cauldron inside and I turn the heat off and then I just let it sit in there until it cools. And that's what bakes that oil on and begins to give it that non-stick surface. So every time you use your cauldron for food, when you're done, you're going to clean it out again and just water, you know, and clean it really good unless it's that first time, then you're going to dry it out and do that practice with the oil each time, at least, you know, for the first several times that you use it. And you'll be able to tell after a while whether it needs it again or not. So if we have our cauldron, we have it cleansed both magically and physically. And now let's talk about using it. And for the sake of time, I'm going to stick to non-cooking magic for the rest of this episode. And I think I'll save some kitchen witchcraft for another time. So I will often use my cauldron to burn incense in. And this is really great for loose incense. So you just take your charcoal disc, put it at the bottom, light it, obviously, of course, and then put your loose incense or loose herbs on the disc. Just remember the cauldron will, you know, it will get hot and make sure that you pick herbs that are safe to burn. And I love using my cauldron for this purpose during my dark moon ritual to Hecate because I'm generally burning larger amounts of incense in that ritual, you know, usually frankincense. You can use your cauldron as a container to gather your magical ingredients. So if I'm, say, making a protection or a prosperity bag, I'll put my herbs and crystals or whatever I'm using, and I'll mix them all together in the cauldron. And I may let them sit in the cauldron then for a day or two. I use my cauldron in the same way to make sacred or magical oils. So in this case, you know, you're going to put your oil in, add your herbs or whatever else you're going to use and stir them around. One quick note about stirring, you know, is the direction in which you stir. I generally follow a fairly traditional practice. If you're stirring clockwise, that's called diacil. And when I'm stirring clockwise, I'm trying to bring power into something. If I'm stirring counterclockwise or Wittershins, I'm trying to expel some sort of energy. You know, you're trying to get rid of negative energy, something like that. Now you can let your oil sit in the cauldron for a couple days and then pour it out and, you know, use it however, you know, however you want. And you can also incorporate the phase of the moon with this. So some people leave their cauldrons outside overnight during a full moon or dark moon to help get that energy. Just be really careful because, again, if it's cast iron, the worst thing you can do is have it rust. You can fix it, but it's a whole lot easier to prevent it in the first place. So I typically don't leave my cauldron outside, but I will keep it inside, like near a window where it's going to get that effect from the moon. So for some oils, I might keep the oil in the cauldron the day before 
the day and the day after a full moon to bring that full moon energy into the oil. I might also use my cauldron to make a dark moon oil, like a banishing oil. Now for that, I'm a bit more careful because I always make those type of oils in darkness. So like the day before the dark moon, so the very, very waning phase of the moon, I will gather my ingredients in the dark. You know, so if it's for some sort of banishing oil, I might be picking ingredients of things that are dead, like dead leaves, things like that from my yard. And I will do that under the darkness of the near dark moon. And then I will bring them inside, put them in a container and keep them somewhere in the dark until the next night. And then the next night I'll mix those ingredients, whatever they are, with the oil in my cauldron. And that's the night of the dark moon and I'll let it sit overnight getting all that dark moon energy. But then I remove that oil before daybreak and I store it in a dark place. So that's how I use my cauldron to make my magical oils. You can also use your cauldron to scry with. So if you have a big enough cauldron, you know, it doesn't have to be huge, but probably, you know, bigger than those little teeny tiny ones, you're going to put some water in your cauldron. And if you're doing this inside, then make sure your room is dark and then light a candle nearby. You know, it can be one of those battery operated candles. It doesn't need to be an actual flame, but you just need to be able to get a little bit of reflection on the water. So you need a little bit of light and then you are going to enter a meditative state and then begin to watch for pictures or symbols that come to you as you're looking at the water, you know, on top of this black cauldron. And then you begin to interpret what they mean. If you can go outside somewhere safe, use the light from the full moon or, you know, a bright moon doesn't need to be a full moon as a reflection on the water. So it can be used for divination, like I said, for scrying. It can also be used in spellcraft to burn things. So if I'm doing a spell and I write something out on a piece of paper, and then I'm going to burn that paper to release it into the universe, I would burn that piece of paper inside my cauldron. Again, making sure that I'm safe when I do that. You can use it for offerings to your spirit guides or deities in ritual celebration. Like I mentioned in the very beginning, Beltane is coming up soon, and cauldrons are often used during Beltane celebrations because it's a fire festival. So in summary, cauldrons are a super useful tool to have. I think if I was only going to spend some time with one tool, the cauldron would probably be it. And remember, have to buy anything. You can use anything that fits your purpose. You just have to think outside the cauldron a little bit. So until next time, have a really witchy week. Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.